down to Y Food, the edge facing back right on. The only podcast taking you under the helmet. Expert analysis breaking down the quarterback play in the NFL each weekend. Don't that feel good when your crowd behind you? Let's give them something to cheer for now. This is Inside the Pocket with your host, Greg McElroy. Welcome in. It's another edition of Inside the Pocket. Andrew Ever alongside Greg McElroy. We're so happy to have you with us. So much to get to as it pertains to the NFL. It's week six and it is officially in the books. And it delivered probably, all things considered, I think this might have been the best week of quarterback play that we've seen. Which, surprisingly enough, Monday Night Football, uh, Kyler Murray, we'll start there. A lot of people are universally praising his performance. I thought he was below average, (laughs) really below average. Now, I'm not trying to be critical of Kyler. I'm just saying that's how good the quality of play was this entire weekend when even a below average performance is being universally praised for the most part. So a really good weekend within the NFL circles of quarterback play. Uh, Like we always do, we'll get to some superlatives. But before we get to some superlatives, we have to first react to the news that Tua Tungabailoa will be starting at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins moving forward. It's really hard to wrap my head around this because we are a week removed from giving the Gold Star Award or a quasi-Gold Star to Ryan Fitzpatrick for his performance. And he has Miami currently just one game back in the division. He's won three out of four as a starting quarterback, and the last two have been in blowout fashion. He was dominant last week on the road at San Francisco. And then this past week, granted, yeah, it was against the New York Jets, but still a workmanlike performance. He did have a couple interceptions, but all things considered, it was a pretty sound victory. So the fact that he is now getting the hook in favor of the rookie Tua Tungavailoa was a little bit surprising. Had to react to that first. But look forward to seeing Tua's debut and breaking that down after the performances that we've seen from Justin Herbert and from Joe Burrow so far this year. Uh, It seems like rookie quarterbacks have never been more prepared to make the jump. All right, time to get to some superlatives. We got to go with the Gold Star Award. And this should probably come as no surprise. But what we saw from Matt Ryan on Sunday afternoon was vintage Matt Ryan. Like, I don't recall the last time I've seen him look so comfortable and in control. Now, it also helps, hey, winning cures all things. And you're not eligible for the Gold Star Award unless you win, which is why Deshaun Watson was really close, but unfortunately, Derrick Henry stole his Gold Star. Uh, But we will get to Deshaun here Uh, in the weeks to come, because it looks like he's started to trend upwards with what he's doing in the pocket. But Matt Ryan is the recipient of this week's Gold Star. Total QBR of 92.5 to go with four four touchdowns and zero interceptions. He did take a couple sacks, but all things considered, it was a very sound performance, very accurate with the football. He was the second best in the NFL this past week in adjusted completion percentage, completing, well, adjusted completing, uh, over 81% of his passes. The only quarterback better this past weekend was Patrick Mahomes, who did so with a wet ball on Monday night football, or I guess Monday afternoon football. I don't know. That was weird. I could get used to it, but it was weird. Matt Ryan looked like his old self, though. Ball had plenty of pop. 
He was in great command, knew where to go with the football. And it, you could tell, I mean, it was the first time in a while in which he resembled the quarterback we know he's capable of being. He threw for 371 passing yards as well. And I think all things considered, man, it, I, I, I don't think he's the guy he was when he won the MVP a couple of years ago, but he hasn't fallen off much. I mean, he is still an elite quarterback. It reminded you here at 35 years old this past week that he can still get the job done at a remarkably high level. He is this week's recipient of the gold star. When it comes to the bounce back performance, the bounce back performance, how can we give it to anybody other than Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, would it be even appropriate to give it to anyone other than Jimmy Garoppolo after what was an atrocious performance against Miami just a week ago in which he completed less than half of his passes and was benched and all this other stuff. The guy comes out, throws for three touchdowns, 270 yards, has a passer rating of over 125, and a raw quarterback rating of over 90.1. I mean, we're talking about a guy that I'm starting to think, you know, that ankle actually played a significant role because I was so proud of his growth and development last year during the Super Bowl run. I mean, I think most people were not really all that surprised. But Jimmy Garoppolo really did not look anything like the guy that was 10 minutes away from winning a Super Bowl really at any point this season. I mean, even against the Jets in relatively short order, uh, he looked good and in control, but it was against the Jets and it wasn't a full game. And against the Cardinals in the first week of the season wasn't exactly his best performance either. So I think for the first time in a while and against a quality opponent with a good pass rush, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo did exactly what he needed to do. Found Kittle, made him a priority, and he is this week's recipient of the bounce back performance. The Titan Up Award, always one that is a little bit, I guess, dramatized. This week, I don't know how I can give it to anyone other than Baker Mayfield. And this has been a couple weeks in the making. Uh, Baker Mayfield has done some really good things this year. He's got 10 touchdowns against six interceptions. The problem is those six interceptions could probably be 12. And he's gotten out of a few, but has found his way into a couple others. And we were just a couple days, weeks removed from them having won four in a row, in large part due to the fact that he was being a little bit smarter with the football. He'd thrown only three interceptions, which is pretty good for him in the four-game winning streak, and two of which came against the Colts, and that was kind of a hapless effort. But now, here, one week later, he's thrown four interceptions the last two games, and he's completing less than 57% of his passes in both. So what happened to the guy that was very efficient against the Bengals and against the Washington football team? And even to a certain extent against the Cowboys, even though the running game was hot that day, he was pretty solid with the football. I mean, what happened to that guy? Because the last two weeks, he's been a different player. And we need Baker Mayfield to pick it up a little bit. We know it's a really important year for Baker. It's year three. The organization will be making their determination about his future here, probably this offseason, as to whether or not to pick up his fifth-year option. And he has to. At some point or another, he has to start making good decisions with the football. I mean, the interception, the pick six that he threw to Minka Fitzpatrick. That's day one stuff. You have three wide receivers to the left. 
you have two safeties in the middle of the field in the pre-snap. And at the snap of the ball, the safety on Baker Mayfield's left to the three receiver side, Minka Fitzpatrick spins down and plays robber. And he looks right into Baker Mayfield's eyes. Well, it's man coverage with the robber. You have to see this. It's year three. Baker Mayfield doesn't see the rotation. Next thing you know, Minka Fitzpatrick jumps right in front of the intended wide receiver when Odell Beckham is wide open seven yards away to the left-hand side. I mean, you got to read that as a quarterback inside out. Baker got hung on number one, threw it, pick to the house. And then a pick later in the game was even more troubling. Did a great job of evading and making a guy miss. He creates and buys a little time. He rolls out to his right. He throws up an absolute prayer that is easily intercepted. That can't happen. It's year three. Like last year, you took far too many unnecessary chances. You wound up throwing almost as many interceptions as you did touchdowns. This year, you were off to a great start. And I mean a great start. You had seven touchdowns against two interceptions to the first four games of the year. Well, the last two weeks, you've come back to earth in throwing four interceptions and just three touchdowns. So you have to pick it up because more games are just flat out gift wrapped and handed to the other team in this league than they are just completely taken over. Well, Baker Mayfield gift wrapped a couple of easy interceptions to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they don't need any help on defense. That's for sure. Uh, They do not need any help whatsoever. The good news for Baker is I think he is a prime candidate for the bounce back performance already. He's got the Bengals next week. That's a get right game. He'll be on the road, but it should provide an opportunity to get the offense going with that very talented supporting cast. Coming up here in just a minute on Inside the Pocket, we're going to be joined by ESPN recruiting director, Tom Luganbill, who's going to break down the rookie class of quarterbacks for this upcoming draft. Trevor Lawrence is off to a remarkably hot start. We're excited to see what Justin Fields might do as the Big Ten gets underway. And we, of course, are going to be breaking down some of the rookie performances so far that we've seen from the NFL. So looking forward to having Tom Luganville, ESPN's recruiting director next here on Inside the Pocket. And we're thrilled to be joined by former Arena Football League head coach and also former Georgia Tech and Eastern Kentucky quarterback. He is Tom Luganville. Lugs. You're one of my best friends in the industry. How has it taken seven weeks or six weeks for you to get on inside the pocket? Well, since if you consider our level of, of palness, which is really up high, the fact that I just found out about it today is really disturbing. Well, you're like a last minute guest though. Like you, everything in your life is last minute. <laughs> like you are, you are like a fly by the seat of the pants type of guy. Like I wouldn't want to get in the way of your bourbon consumption and some of the other things that are that are obviously <laughs> taking high priority. Not in, over in you, your my lifestyle. friend. Not over you, my friend. <laughs> Never, ever, ever. I want to start first yeah. by talking a little bit, since you were all over this guy from the very beginning. He is now kind of starting to take the NFL world by storm. Uh, I didn't think he had his best performance the other night against the Dallas Cowboys, but I do think that Kyler Murray is on the cusp of becoming a pretty dang good quarterback at the next level. I think Luke's to a certain extent, his legs are so dynamic. He's not yet all the way there as a thrower yet, 
but his legs are way better than I recall when at Oklahoma or even last year in the NFL. So when you were evaluating him as a high school prospect transitioning to the next level, what did you like about him? What did you think he needed to do better? And how do you think he's capitalized on those opportunities that he's been afforded in Arizona? I can remember vividly writing in his evaluation that if this kid was three inches taller, he would be the best prospect top to bottom we had ever evaluated regardless of position. He was just so small. And at that time, when you look at Kyler now, you know, he's, he's thick jointed, you know, he's thick through the hips, thick through the knees, thick through the elbows and shoulders. But when he was a sophomore, junior and senior, he was short and kind of wiry. And so you, you, you saw the athleticism. There was obviously reason to be excited, but it also prompted you to say, okay, is this going to be a guy that's going to have to transition to another position? And then the more you peeled back the layers, the more the height issue just continued to go away because the productivity was so good, especially when it came to a couple of areas, anticipation, decisiveness, and accuracy. Now, I think over the course of time, as his NFL career progresses and he becomes more comfortable and he sees more of what's going to be thrown at him, those things will really start coming to the forefront. But um, he's dynamic. I think he's really smart. I think he's got a high football IQ, always has. I mean, when you're playing at you know, 5A football, you know this in the state of Texas, and you, you don't lose a game, and you're, you're playing in front of crowds of 55,000-plus at the high school level, and you're undaunted by it, and you just, you just roll with the punches. Obviously, he's got some stuff in his makeup that you can't coach. No, it's been fun to watch him transition. Yeah. I mean, I there's no telling what he'll inevitably or eventually become, but inevitably he's he's going to be among the better quarterbacks in the NFL probably sooner than later. Uh, just fascinated by that because you were all over him early, and I don't. I think people thought he was dynamic. They weren't really sure what to make of him. Yeah, uh, but yeah. you were you were hell bent that that dude is a quarterback at the college level uh, and is going to turn some heads. Clearly, won the Heisman Trophy, was first overall pick, and is now. Uh, everyone respects what he's accomplishing already in the NFL. Uh, I want to also get to some of these other guys who you evaluated closely and saw them in person and, and studied them closely as well, both in high school and in college. But Tua Tagovailoa is scheduled to make his first career start this upcoming week. Just named the starter over Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yep. How do you think he's going to transition? Because I've been shocked at, at how well Fitzpatrick's played, but clearly Tua is showing him something in practice. Like, Hey, this guy's ready to go. It's time to put him out there and let's see what he has. Don't you kind of get the sense, Greg, that when we were broadcasting Alabama games with Jalen hurts and you got the exact same vibe from inside the building that, okay, this guy just took us to the college football playoff. All right. And this young freshman, we need to somehow get him on the field because each and every day it was becoming more and more apparent that, this guy can do some things that are rare. And now we're going to get an opportunity to see those types of things. I, I don't know if you'd be in agreement with me on this. I don't have a concern about any of the intangible traits, mental toughness, smarts, athleticism, arm talent, all of that stuff. My real concern with, with Tua is durability. Can he, can he maintain durability over the course of a season um, and, and I think that's the question that needs to be answered. That was the big risk, right? When you go into the, to the draft and you're going to make that selection, obviously he was highly vetted in that regard, 
But he too, I think the only area that I would say that needs to be, that we need to be cautioned by and will probably be heavily scrutinized. If you go back to the college game, you see some of the things that he's done and what he had accomplished. There were times where he made throws where you weren't even sure how he saw the guy or how he yeah. got to that point. And I remember you and I broadcasting a game and we, we asked, I think it was Mike Loxley at that time. We're like, there's no way you're sitting in a meeting room and you're asking him the question and he's telling you, Oh yeah, I saw that guy because it looked like it was <laughs> luck. Do you remember that? No, completely. Yeah, it's like, dude, he's guessing. He's yeah, gotta he's be guessing. guessing. There's no way. <laughs> right. He's gotta be guessing. And, and so then, you know, that worries me just a little bit is, maybe trying to do a little too much, taking maybe a few too many risks with the football. Um, I don't think it's something that's a trend, but when you're playing with that elite level skilled player on the back end and you're you know, probably going to be thrown with people in your face, yeah, there is no guessing and, there, and, and you better be sure type of mentality. Yeah, I, I, I really am excited because it's if be he's, great. and I know this is it's probably all part of the plan. You know, I'm sure... I'm sure the Dolphins organization probably looked at it. So, you know what? We're, we're going to run them out there. It, this makes sense to do it now. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that, that it, for all intents and purposes, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the perfect bridge quarterback. Like he's everything you want. The problem is Ryan Fitzpatrick's ripped off three out of four and they're one game back in the division. Now you've got a rookie out there. Let's see what happens. You know, let's see, let's, let's just throw caution to the wind and let's see what happens. Yeah. But Hey, if anything has taught me, uh, if there's anything I've learned this year, it's that clearly rookie quarterbacks, Lugs, are more prepared to step in and get it done than ever before. Like I can't recall. I'm, I'm first of all, I'll just start full disclosure. He doesn't play. He didn't play this week. Like I'm shocked yeah. by Justin Herbert. Shocked oh, that he has transitioned both, so quickly. Oh. I mean, I I didn't see it coming, Lugs. I thought he'd be a work in progress, a little statuesque. Yeah. But I've seen more athleticism. I've seen better throwing down the field. I've seen him throw really difficult throws and make them look easy. Like this dude's playing some freaking ball. And I didn't expect that this early in his career. Yeah, I didn't either. You know, because I expected a very streaky player, a very up and down player, which is what we saw at times in college when he's really, really good. He was really, really good. But then he would have moments where that it would just make you scratch your head. And so I'm, I'm with you on that one. You know, to, to your point about, young quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks, you know, flourishing. I think we are finally at a point in the national football league where we're, we're past the system guys. We're past when I, when I said, I mean, I mean the coaches, we are now in a mode of operation where they tried and tried and tried to get guys to fit into their offense or fit into their mold. And then it took a while, I think for guys to realize that, quarterbacks aren't being trained in high school and college that they, the way they were 15, 20, 25 years ago. They don't, they don't play from under center. They're, they're, they're operating in a, in a different world, both physically and I think mentally. And finally, and I think Philadelphia was a really, really good example of this in their Super Bowl season. And I think that maybe there's no better example than the Kansas City Chiefs of of guys saying you know what we got to stop trying to stick a square peg in a round hole let's figure out what these guys strengths are and then build around those strengths and then that becomes the system the system doesn't trump the player the 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 player makes the system that you've devised around him and I think you know in Kansas City you're talking about a guy that was literally born out of the west coast offense womb 
That's that that's all that guy's ever known. And now you watch Kansas City, they look like a college team. Yeah. I mean, not even I mean, honestly, not even remotely close to what we've ever seen from the NFL is Never. what we're seeing with the speed that Kansas City's out there with. I mean, it's it's remarkable. I mean, it really is. It, it's been very remarkable. A guy that is uh I think quietly putting together one heck of a rookie year is Joe Burrow. Now it's it's far, Luke, from him being a top flight quarterback. I don't know if he's ever going to be super elite. I know, I know uh, people are saying, well, I, I think he's definitely got it. I just don't think he has the ceiling even uh, of Justin Herbert. I mean, yeah. it doesn't mean that he won't inevitably have a better career. Like, how good is here, how good is Alex Smith's career been? Yeah. I mean, pretty dang good, I'd say. Yep. I mean, not an insane ceiling, but Sometimes a really high floor is pretty dang good. Uh, how good is, has Andy Dalton's career been? I mean, I think Andy Dalton, notwithstanding Monday Knight's performance, has had a pretty dang solid career. So mm-hmm. I think Burrow could be that guy. Uh, I think he's a little better than Andy Dalton, has better instincts than Andy Dalton. But all things considered, I mean, I'm pretty excited about him, or at least from what I've seen early. Are you buying the hype? from Joe Burrow, at least early on? Early on, I'm buying it because I've been impressed with his poise, his mental toughness, and his ability to weather the storm. You know, you talk about a guy going from everything being perfect, everything going their way, everything looking effortless, to being the number one overall pick going to the Cincinnati Bengals. And you know from the moment you put the helmet on, there's going to be a bit of a, a different environment around you. And how do you handle that? So I think he's shown some wherewithal it, with some intangible traits that you can build an organization around. That's what's been so encouraging to me. I agree with you. Is he ever going to be this elite physical talent? You know, probably not. Is he a guy that shows anticipation traits and accuracy traits like a Joe Montana did without having, you know, a rocket type arm to compensate? Right. Uh, yeah, he's done some of those things. So I, I, I think there is reason to be encouraged. It, it, to me, it's his body language and demeanor. He just, he, he's just kind of a dude, man. Nothing phases him. It's done, he doesn't get caught up in the highs. He doesn't get caught up in the lows. And I think as a rookie quarterback, man, that's, that's really impressive. No, it's hard to argue with any of that. As a visit with Tom Luganville, ESPN recruiting director, covers college football for ESPN, and obviously has been following a lot of these guys since they were in high school. Uh, some of which, maybe even since middle school. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how back Lugs oh, no. goes with with some of these guys, but probably quite a while. Lugs, as we look at some of the guys that will be getting drafted here in this upcoming class, let's start with Justin Fields. We we haven't seen. Justin Fields this year mm-hmm. uh, for all intents and purposes, he's a top 10 pick when you had him coming out in ESPN's top 300 rankings, he was the number one player mm-hmm. actually ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Now six and one half dozen, the other, they're both pretty dang good. Yeah. So how would you assess how he might make that transition from being an elite level college player to an NFL starter and a franchise guy? I, I think the one thing that I'm looking to see if he's improved upon is his ability to get rid of the football quicker, not be as deliberate in some of his actions. I think that's something that is, to me, he's very similar to Jamie Newman, only Jamie Newman's ability to get the ball out with a quicker, more compact release gives him an edge, especially if you're under duress or you've got people in your face 
Um, that's something that I hope we see an upgrade in from Justin Fields. I think obviously he's a strong athletic runner. He's proven to be smart. Ohio State's done, I think, all of the things to accentuate what his strengths are. I just feel like there's times when you watch him in the passing game that it takes a split half second longer than it should for him to either get from plant to throw or plant to first progression, second possession, ball out. That's the area. If I'm an NFL guy, if I'm evaluating, I want to see if that thing can get ramped up a little bit with him. Yeah, it does feel like he is a little deliberate. Yes. And that's that's a that's not a great quality. No. You know, I mean that's that especially in the league like you got to anticipate. I don't think he is the most naturally accurate guy. Um I think he does have that within him, but he also at this moment has such good players around him and they're playing yep. with such high expectations that when he is asked to just say, "Hey, cut it loose, dude." He can do it, yes. but he doesn't have to do that right now. It's more like, hey, don't make a mistake, because if you do, that's the only way we can lose. That's true, man. That's literally the only way Ohio State can lose is if Justin Fields makes mistakes. And he might have to make more than one. <laughs> Probably like three. So you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I can understand that as, as coming from someone that came from a system a little like that, not quite where I was as empowered as, as Justin Fields is, but. Like it was all about, hey, it's all about us. Don't turn it over. That's all that matters. Like, don't turn it over. We're in business. So maybe when he is <laughs> playing for a team that that will be picking in the top five, uh, he won't have he won't be as cautious. I guess would be the right way of putting it. Luke's. I've been on record. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect I've seen since Andrew Luck. I uh, do too. Uh, you're you're in agreement there. I, yep. I know that. My one the reason why I'd give Luck the advantage over Trevor Lawrence is because Luck was not benefited by a ridiculously strong supporting cast. Correct. Uh, he didn't really have any NFL wide receivers. Had some really good uh, tight ends, Kobe Fleener being one, Toby Gerhardt being a running back that was excellent mm-hmm. for him. But he didn't have that top-shelf wide receiver that he could kind of allow him to bail him out. Sure. Whereas with Trevor Lawrence, he's had T. Higgins, he had Justin Ross, I don't think Amari Rogers is like a big time NFL guy. He's had Hunter Renfro. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the one knock I have on Trevor Lawrence is the fact that his supporting cast is super elite. Should that matter in our assessment and evaluation of Trevor Lawrence? I think it comes into play as as a piece of the puzzle that you consider. Um, You know, the other thing as it relates to Andrew Luck that I think gets glossed over some is Andrew Luck was born and bred in in an offense at the collegiate ranks that is extremely rare in this day and age in the sense that he was being taught and asked to adhere to NFL-style principles in terms of offensive philosophy, scheme, X's and O's, what's expected of the quarterback. Really, from an NFL mentality, from a coach's perspective, and how the game was taught, very few kids now at the collegiate level have that type of background because that's not how the game's being played. So, you know, with, with, with Trevor... You see all the different things they're doing with the spread and the tempo and, you know, the jet sweep action and some of the quarterback run, which is obviously stuff that he can do. Um, But I would say that, you know, maybe Andrew Luck went into the NFL draft going into what people would label at that time as an NFL style offense with maybe a couple of advantages as far as skill set, mental toughness, physical toughness, leadership traits. Um, it, it's hard to find a flaw with, with Trevor Lawrence, how he conducts himself off the field, 
um, all of the things that you want to check the boxes on uh, get checked with him. And now, one one thing I will say about this, though, Greg, is when you slow him down a little bit, and we were talking about Justin uh, Fields, you slow down Trevor Lawrence now, he'll drop that ball down by his waist, right? And he draws it back. And he does have some wasted motion that I think he can correct by compacting that delivery because the ball jumps off his hand in such a great manner. But he'll also waste some motion, too, that doesn't need to be wasted. Is he pretty tough? I mean, you know I him better than I do. Yep. I think yeah, I mean, I, he tough. takes a couple shots, but he's not... He's not built. He doesn't look like, I mean, Andrew Luck looked big and, yes. and hulking, you know, and Andrew Luck looked like if he ate his spinach, he'd look like Popeye, you know, he's just yeah. big. Yeah. He's thick. Uh, Trevor doesn't have that thickness. I don't think that uh, he's never had any injury concerns, obviously, no. but is he a guy that's willing to hang in there and get beat on pretty good? If he does go to a bad team, a la the New York jets potentially in seven months. I don't think there's any questioning that side of it. The question then becomes, is durability a factor because of his frame and because he doesn't have that thick, sturdy, physical build. Um, but this is also a kid that's gained over 20 pounds since when he, you should have seen him in high school. He, I mean, he's six foot six <laughs> and you'd had to put rocks in his pockets and dripping wet clothes to get him to get on a scale. And so maybe there's a higher ceiling there for more physical development, even after college just because of his metabolism and his lean build now. But I don't think there's any question about the willingness or the toughness physically to hang in there. I'll finally get you out of here with this, Luke. Is there another guy? Because I don't think Trey Lance is there yet. That's just I don't me. either. I'm with you. I think that's really premature. I think, it's, I think it's an upside pick from North Dakota State. Everyone's hot on him. Understandably so. The guy threw one interception in college and it was in his spring game two weeks ago. (laughs) But who's the third guy? Like who else is even in the mix right now that you can think of off the top of your head in college? Because there's not really an obvious pecking order. Like some people are real hot on Zach Wilson at BYU. Yeah. Mac Jones is starting to make a little bit of noise. I mean, uh, all things Mac Jones at Alabama, that is. Like who else is even in the mix as far as being the third guy that might be taken off the board in the first round of next year's draft? For me, it's without question, Zach Wilson. You and I saw him twice last year. I got to see him two weeks ago. I think he's really, really good. And I think he, he we talk about a ceiling. I think he still has a high one. He, he can do some things, getting rid of the football, improvising, creating, extending plays. He just has an unbelievable feel for things. And, um, you know, he's got some of that stuff with – that Mahomes will do where, you know, you're making, you're, you're tossing the ball forward in, in a pitch, which should be a throw or you're lowering your elbow down to get the ball around somebody, or you're throwing off to your left while you're going to your right, but you're not really looking at the guy. Just, just crazy stuff like that. I think those are things that are very difficult to coach. No, without question is I love the kid. I think he's got I a lot too. of game. So I know I think he's just getting started too. And BYU granted you can knock him. Hey, who's he playing against, et cetera. I don't care. The guy's balling. So hopefully we uh, we'll look forward to covering him here in the coming weeks. Lucas, you're the very best man. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you. We look forward to have you on again here, probably four five, six, seven weeks from now to kind of put a bow on the college season and the evaluation of some of these prospects and their growths. Appreciate you, my friend. All right, man. Appreciate you too. Thanks for having me, buddy. (laughs) 
That'll do it for us here at Inside the Pocket. For Andrew Emmer, I'm Greg McElroy. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember to check us out next week for our quarterback spotlight and for many future episodes with deep, in-depth breakdown of the quarterback position with a lot of special guests. Remember, you can get this podcast anywhere where you get your podcast and on the SiriusXM app. Thanks for being with us and enjoy the football, everybody. Everybody.